starting and entering. Number eight, hallelujah. I, you know, you could be fooled by that because actually you can preach just about anything and put that tag on it and you go, well, yeah, that fit. That, that, that's for it. So turn with me, if you would, to the book of Proverbs, chapter 24. Proverbs 24. Hallelujah. Settle down back there. Do something, Joey. Now, here's the truth in the kingdom. Here's the, there's, this is how it works. There's rules, there's laws, there's, there's principles in the kingdom, just like there are in this United States. You know, we may do things different than Sweden. I'm sure we do, and, and Spain and, and Mexico. But we have certain war, uh, rules and laws, and they work by that. But even beyond that, we have other laws that we have to uh, uh, adhere to, like gravity. We've all learned that law. The first time you jumped off the roof of a house as a little boy, and we all, ha all little boys have or wanted to, uh, you found out gravity worked. No matter what you had strapped to your wings, no matter how, how you ran down the roof and flapped, you, you did go down. Hallelujah. In a hurry. So those, there's those laws, but there's laws in the kingdom. And the more we know about the laws of the kingdom, the more we'll cooperate. There's two choices or more in everything that we do, and we can choose based on information, on revelation, which way we should go. You got a hundred dollars and your electric bill's there and, and you know, or whatever, and you got a choice. You got somebody that's, uh, that's standing in, in uh, Walmart and they're obviously needing help. You have a choice. You know, I got to go. I, I wish I could help her, but I got to go. Or you spend, you, we got choices in everything. You got choices how to raise your kids. You can raise them in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, or you can just let them go. We all know how that goes. Hallelujah. So if anybody wants to change levels, how many of y'all want to change levels? No matter where you are this morning, no matter how good God's been, and he has been good, and how he's put you in a place that you once never dreamed that you could be, he still has more. I said he still has more and increases his plan. He sees us. He sees us by faith because he's a faith God. He sees us at the place that he appointed us or he assigned us before the foundation of the world. He's already seen the end. Would y'all agree? And so we're, we're not working toward the end, but we're opening our heart to believe the end because once we believe it, we can become it. It's not like, well, God's still working on me. No, he's not. He's already worked on you. And uh, it's a matter of us receiving. I'm working on me. And boy, there's a lot to be done <laughs> when I'm working on me. But that's, that's me. It's not. We always say God's a better giver than we are receivers, but we need to narrow the gap. We need to change that so we're as good a receiver as he is giver. And so that comes from experience, from believing the word and having experience. I've, ha I've been in some tremendous financial binds. I've been in some close spaces, as you all have. We all have. And we say this, if you don't have a story, you don't know glory. Because your story, everybody's got one. Well, let me tell you my story. Well, good, that'll be good, but I got one too. You do? Yeah, we all have one. Everybody's got a story. Different time, different people, different circumstance, but still... Faith was required to get on the other end, and if you succumbed to it, if you didn't get to the other end, just don't work, don't be concerned. You'll go around the mountain, and you'll get another chance because you can't get over there until you go through here. Nobody, Kenneth Copeland didn't jump. Kenneth Hagin didn't jump. Oral Roberts didn't jump over there and just all of a sudden grow up, and all of a sudden they're, they're in a big place of faith and prominence. Every one of them has a story, and some of them make your liver quiver. So uh, if you want to go anywhere, you're going to have to have a story. And the story is, is having done all to stand, stand therefore. 
We've all had to do that. And nothing's happening. Everything looks like it's going the other way. It's, there's no way out. It's impossible. Everybody's got an impossible story. But there it is. We just stood. We finally decided to quit being beat up by the world, by the curse, by the, uh, the flesh, and by the devil. We just decided enough is enough. And we ran out of options. And we just stood. And when we stood, the storm came. Remember what it says in the Word? The, the, the rains beat down, and that house stayed because it was built on the rock. We finally got us a corner of the rock and stood. And so I've been through some tremendous financial challenges, uh, both personally, but more than personally, for the church, because I've had to stand. Make no mistake, you might not like this, but make no, no mistake, almost equiv- unequivocally, the pastor has to believe the finances. You may think, well, you got a good job and you got a big bonus and you tithed on it. Well, all of that in the sense of coming to a place is the result of the pastor's faith. Because <laughs> uh, if, if nothing else, it's just as carnal as just saying, if I want to get paid this, this week, I got to believe it in. Yeah. And the best way or the easiest way is for God to bring it through the church. But if people buck up and say, I'm not giving, and they shut down, it'll just come from another place. Why, even ravens can bring you groceries. Widow woman, she can say, I got one meal and I'll share. It's just no limit to God what he can do. But he wants to do it. He wants to do it in divine order and to get it according to, to uh, uh, the people or the events that are closest to you. He wants to use that. But if people refuse, well, I, I, I went under because somebody wouldn't give what God told them. Well, that wasn't the end of it. That's just one chapter. We all have a they wouldn't give it chapter. We all. I've probably been on that many times where God was telling me to give to someone and I, I, I backed up. You, you ever had that unction and then you just go, ah, it won't matter. And then the Lord shows you how it would have mattered. But they got their need met anyway. Anyway, enough of that is I've been through some financial things, as you have. And uh, once you win, once you get a victory in any area, it builds a testimony. A testimony is simply God saying, I want to do it again. So once he does it in your life and you get a testimony like, it worked. My faith worked. It, it was tough. It was hard. But not having faith is tough and hard. It's not like, well, I, I didn't take the easy way. There is no easy way. If you want to prosper, if you want to be in health, there's no easy way. You can, you can go to the doctor. That's not easy. They'll start saying, come back in, in, in three weeks or something and bring lots of money. You, there, there's no easy way medically. There's no easy way financially. God, the way the transgressor is hard, the Bible says. So we, money doesn't bother me anymore because I've been through 40 years of church. Not just if you had a business, it'd be the same. If you have a family, it's the same. Why, if you're just by yourself, it's the same. You're going to have to believe God. You're going to have to go through the crush or the pressure or the crisis in order to be, uh, God doesn't send you there, but it's just the way life is. In this world, you'll have tribulation. You're going to have to win. Well, God, God didn't do it for me. Well, yeah, he did it for you. Jesus did it for you. And then he put it in the word saying, remember, I did it for you. And, and, and believe like I believe that I did it for you. Well, where is it? Well, you're going to have to stand for it in faith, but that's no big deal. My word is always true. It never fails. It'll always be there just in time. So we have to, we have to acclimate or we have to mature to that level where we trust him more than we trust us. For some of us, that's not too hard. I don't trust me much, but I trust him much. Amen. So we have to change levels. If we want to change levels, if we want to increase, 
then we then if if we want to change levels, if you want to go up, well, I'm just waiting on God. No, you're not. Every bit of the change or the increase or the promotion comes from us changing, adjusting, transitioning. Y'all like those words? No, none of us like them. It comes to a transaction. You have to make a transaction. You can't be good enough to get born again. You can't, you can't be needy enough for God to send you money. Because if he did, he wouldn't be sending any to America. We, the least of the least in America is better than a bunch of places that are full tilt. So it's, it's, it's according to uh, uh, transacting. We have to transact our faith. You have to believe you receive when you pray. It's called a transaction. So to get born again, you can't just be good enough. You have to transact the new birth. Well, I thought God did that. Well, once you transact it, he will carry out his end. It's a transaction. It's when two entities come together and negotiate and both come away satisfied. So you have to transact with heaven. If you want to get healed, it's not like, oh, God, I feel so bad. Won't you help me? You got to transact it. God does not hasten over our complaining to perform it. Isn't that right? Uh, where is it? Isaiah 112 that says, uh, he hastens, or Jeremiah 112, excuse me. He hastens over his word to perform it. Not over our complaints, not over our sad situation, not over what needs to be better. So transacting, I have found, my experience, my observation is the most challenging endeavor for Christians. We would rather abide with trouble, with suffering, with pain. We would rather put up with it and harden ourselves and, and, and uh, get us a callus around our life and, and get where people can't hurt us anymore because they hurt us and bless God, they're not going to hurt us again. Or I did that and it, I got burned on it. I'm not going to do that again. You know, Mark Twain, the cat that jumps on the hot stove will not jump on any stove. Well, we're all just like that cat in certain areas. Yeah, you, you hear, you see people on TV that have had a calamity or lost their daughter, their baby, their husband, and they just say, I'll never get over it. I'll never get over it. I'll take it to my grave. Well, that's a transaction, and it's a detrimental one. We might as well put you in the ground right there because you're not going to be worth 13 cents for the rest of your life. We, we, the devil's just taking you out. Well, don't be that person. Take your lumps and just say, you know, I missed it. I repent of it. I confess it as sin. That's what I, I endeavor to do. And it's like, well, this didn't hurt anybody, and it's nobody's business. Yeah, it's my business. I have to transact the faith transaction, and to do that, i got to get rid of the transgression, the missing it, the mistake. How do you do that? Well, First John 1, 9 says, if we confess with our... Excuse me. Um, what does it say in First John 1, 9? Oh, how could I miss that? Well, here it is right here. I'll just read it. It says, uh, yeah, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, that's a transaction. And the Bible says once you transact that, then it's gone out of your life. How long? Forever. The sea of his forgetfulness. And when you bring it up, he is, he is like, uh, I'm in Indiana and you're quoting me, Florida law. We don't know what you're talking about. Well, when you transact that, it, it leaves his uh, system, as it were. He blots it out. So transacting is very important, isn't it? We spend all of our life getting prepared, getting ready, getting, getting questions and rationales in our head, getting paradigms and, and culture 
and traditions of men. We, we're working them out so that we can work the kingdom in. So that you go, well, what does that make you? Nothing. You can be completely right, but until you transact, until you make a deal, till you switch it over, you had not got anything. There are better people that aren't born again in this world than a lot of Christians that are born again. The new birth doesn't make you good. It just gives you a want to. It gives you a, a heart to say, gosh, he loves me. He saved me. I know, and I'm going to go do something for him. But a lot of people don't. They fall into drugs or into a bad relationship, and, and down there they're, they're in jail. And you go, well, you're not born again. You're not safe. Sure they are. They had a transaction, and God judges it by the transaction. What did you do? Well, I got born again when I was 12, and then I got into this and got into that, and I'm a thug now. I'm a sorry thug. And, well, God loves you. You're, you're still going to heaven. Well, here's somebody over here, been, been uh, 40 years going to church but never got born again. They will bust hell wide open. Now, you may not think that's fair, but that is, that is the rule. That's the law. That's the principle of the kingdom. That if you don't transact with Jesus, you are without. There is no righteousness in you, the righteousness of God, unless you transact, make a transaction with the Lord Jesus. Now, Holy Spirit's there to move you on. God's here with His Word. The love of God shed abroad by people. They'll come to you and say, listen, I was just like you, John, and I was miserable, and I got Jesus, and my life has changed. But if you don't transact, then you will go out into eternity, or at least you'll have a hard life without Him until you go. So God's talking to all of us to transact. Stuff that's just floating around saying, well, I'll get to that later. Procrastinators. Procrastinators in the Spirit. It's a hard life to put off the things of God. That's why we looked at that scripture in Matthew 25 that says that, well done thou good and faithful, easily persuaded to believe. That's what faithful means, easily persuaded. So that when it comes by, we don't have to have 40 reasons and 16 scriptures or, or God showing us something or the devil whooping on us. We just say, that's God. And I'm jumping now. I'm jumping now. I transact. Well, what's behind that door? There's another door. And you can transact that door for all sorts of things. And behind that door, you grow, you grow, you grow, you increase in the Lord. And suddenly you've got a great life. You, you're not special. You're not like you went to one 10,000 people in Africa or whatever. You, nothing you did. You just were willing to transact based on being open to God in your heart. The Word moves you and you're moved. And so you transact. So there's no increase. Listen, why do people go all their lives and have the same little salary, the same little troubles, the same little car, the same? And I'm not using just material things, but they never get anywhere. And yet they love God. They love God. They sure love God. It's because they're not willing to transact. If you listen to people that say, ah, that prosperity stuff, that's from the devil. You can just tell they're trying to get you to not transact. That's the devil. Sure. Has anybody gone excessive with prosperity? Yeah, absolutely. If the devil can't keep it from you, he'll try to get, get it to go past you. Healing, is, is that of, oh, that's not of it. Tongues, that's, what, that's the first thing they told me in the, in the you-know-what church that I was raised in. That's of the devil. They never said anything about it until somebody got it, and then all of a sudden they had an opinion about it to keep me from transacting, because you can get filled with the Holy Spirit and absolutely leak out and have a worthless and powerless life 
even though you've had an experience. You have to continually transact that. Are you all with me this morning? Well, yay. And so I say that transacting is one of the most challenging behaviors or the challenging endeavors for Christians. They'd rather just say, here's what they say. It's never been this good. I got peace in my heart like I've never had. I got friends at church. I have a social atmosphere and they're clean. They're right. They're godly. And so why should I transact? Because I'm better off now than I've ever been. But, but we don't want our kids to stay home in the kindergarten uh, uh, for 16 years. We say, you go to first grade. <laughs> you go to high school. You, you grow up and you leave. <laughs> we don't want them staying that way. Well, that's what a lot of Christians are. They're still running around. They're in pampers. They got a sucker fire in their mouth. Y'all know what a sucker fire is. Yeah, they got a sucker fire in there, and they're just, they don't get their way. They just sit down and just scream. You go, ah. Oh you got to grow up, kid. We'll put up with this for a year or two, but you got to grow up. Well, that's the way we are in the kingdom uh, because we, we, Christians say, here's what they say, life is hard. No, life is life. There's not an easy life. There's not a hard life. Life is life, this life. So you got to transact into another life, another realm, another dimension. If you want to have life that my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. You got to transact. You can't. You can't just be born again down here and say, "Well, life is still hard." Well, yeah, because you're still living by the principles of competition and comparison, and lust and greed and strife. You, 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 you're marrying this and going out with that, and so you are. Do you do have a hard life? But it's not hard life. It's just life. But Jesus said, "I've come that you might have life, the God kind of life." And have it to the full. Well, how do you get that? You have to transact it. You can't, it's not just born again. It's in you. It's wired in you. If you buy a new house now, they, they, they wire stuff into the walls for cable TV and smart TV and thermostats and, and self-control, all sorts of stuff. They wire it in there. But you don't have to buy anything. You can just have a little thermostat where you go over there and turn it. And you hear, you hear the air conditioner come on. Or you can get one that you can be in at the beach and just, and it comes on. I got one of them. <laughs> I, I didn't, and I do, and do is better. Yay. So you got to transact. Is everybody getting this? So you go, why is something not working in my life right now? Because it's still, the papers are in front of you, and there's a line that says sign here. Put your signature there. We'll file it at the courthouse, and that'll be it. But as long as it's on the table, as if it's 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 as if it wasn't on the table, you have to sign up. You have to transact. Well, how do you do that? Well, it takes faith, and so you get something little, and you transact that. They say the first time Brother Copeland gave, he got born again, but he didn't have anything. But he was in church, and they asked for the offering, and they'd given him a visitor card and given him a little pencil to fill out his visitor card. He said, well, they gave it to me. I guess it's mine. So I guess I've got something to give. So he put his pencil back in the offering. That's how you got to think. He transacted at that level, and now, and now. He's giving away airplanes and jets and all sorts of stuff. He's transacting at a higher level because he was willing to transact at a lower level. So God's not holding your life up. It's not even the devil. The devil is just the world. The, the devil is just life. 
He's ever-present. I mean, doesn't mean he's everywhere at the same time, but he's got minions and little devils and low-level devils that uh, will certainly visit you from time to time, two times a day anyway, daytime and nighttime. You know, in your dreams, in your thoughts, you know, if you can't sleep at night, you need to get rid of the devil. You've got to transact that, though. You, you can't just say, God, take this away from me. You have to transact like Paul did where uh, he said, my grace is sufficient for you. I've already loaded the gun. I put it in your mouth. If you'll pull the trigger, the devil will leave. And Paul said, well, golly, I forgot all about that. He's the one that had the original revelation about that. Yay. So the kingdom. What about the kingdom? Is it static? Is it the same all the time? Well, in the general sense of the word, it absolutely is. It, it never changes in this. The principles are the same. But you and I, when we grow up, it's progressive for us. Just like a third grader doesn't know what a tenth grader. Well, let's see. Let me see if that's true. Yeah, that's probably true. That's a joke, y'all. And so we got to grow up because the kingdom is progressive. Faithful over little, what, does, what happens? He makes you master, ruler, administrator over much. And so there's the kingdom. Same rules, but at a higher level. And the higher level comes when you transact at whatever level you're at. Transact at whatever level you're at. Hallelujah. Is it hot in here? Okay. Does anybody know how to turn it on besides me? Okay. Turn that thing up. Turn it, turn it down to 48 if you want to, Pamela. Okay, we still hadn't gone to our scripture yet, have we? So the, the kingdom of God is transitioning. For you, for you, in other words, they've got fourth grade materials for your little, your little buddy that when he comes out of the third grade, they got a fourth grade curriculum for him. And it'll not be the same as third grade. And he'll, he'll learn things he didn't get in the third grade. But guess what? They're hiding fifth grade from him until he graduates or gets promoted from fourth grade. Then they'll show him a new way. Well, that's the way it is in the kingdom. The Lord's not hiding anything, but it is hidden for us. It is hidden for us. You can have anything that you are mature enough to boldly ask and, and receive. You've got to have a want to. You've got to have a want to. I said you've got to have a want to. Why are some people healed and some people not healed? A lot of it is the want to. It, there's a lot of trouble to get healed. It's a lot of trouble, but on the other hand, it's just like flipping a switch. It's not hard. It's not trouble. But you got to want to. Well, Proverbs 24. Boy, they're having a good time in children's church this morning. Now, let's read this together. I'm in the King James starting out, so let's read verse 10 together. Ready? Read. If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. So let's put first person in there. Point to yourself with me and see if you can do both. If I faint in the day of adversity, my strength is small. Now, is that right? Let's read it again. If I faint in the day of adversity, corona, my strength is small. So right now, you're, you're making it. You go, this is a plague across the world and but we've had financial, uh, in 2008, the finances fell apart, the banks and the bailout, the world came, the crash came, everything came. There's always going to be a day of calamity. There's not going to be money some days, there's not going to be toilet paper some days, there's not going to be, you know, there's just always something. It's the, it's the mark of the beast. That's what the beast does. The beast just shortage, lack, not enough time. Well, we got all of that. So the, uh, the New Living says, if you fail under pressure, your strength is too small. Isn't that good? Yeah. 
if you fail under pressure. Well, nobody fails until there's pressure. Pressure is, is demanding you take, take it up to another level. Pressure has the ability to take you up to the next level or to send you down. But it is a transition. And your transaction in that transition determines whether you're going up or down. When you just have enough money to pay your tithe or your electric bill, you're in, the, you're in the day of transition, and your transaction will determine whether you go up or whether you go around the mountain again. It's every time. It's immutable. It's unchangeable. It is the kingdom. It's how it works. And you go, well, how come nothing ever works for me? It's those little transactions that we either make on the wrong side or we don't make it all. In the TEV, I think that's the English version, it says, if you are weak in a crisis, you are weak indeed. The, uh, the Living Bible says, oh, this will hurt your feelings. You are a poor specimen if you can't stand the pressure of adversity. Oh, I don't want to be a poor specimen. <laughs> Whatever that is. Hallelujah. The New Century version. This, this is for the, this, yeah. If you give up when trouble comes, it shows that you are weak. If you give up. Boy, that, the temptation. You can just get new Christians under your tutelage. Your neighbor, someone at work and everything, and walk them through. And you, you just know it's coming, and it does come. Trouble comes, pressure comes to knock them out, and that's why we have to stay close to them, is because when trouble comes, it, uh, two is better than one. You got to get them through that. You got to get them over the hump. You got otherwise they'll fall away and they'll go into uh, into that that realm where defeat lives. If uh, the message, if you fall to pieces in a crisis, there wasn't much to you in the first place. <laughs> this is kind of one of those uh, oh my verses. The passion. Here we go. If you faint when under pressure, you have need of courage. Well, I have fainted. Have you? You ever faded under pressure? Well, don't lie. Say yes. Of course you have. We all have. If we hadn't, we'd be further along than we are. We would If we'd have transacted in strength and in wisdom, we'd be way down the road. Oh, no, this is just the way it goes. It's, God just lets you go so fast, and this is just the normal deal for Christians. Well, it is pretty normal, but it's not the way he intended it. He intended us to strap on some rockets and take off, and we should. So, uh, so I've been meditating on why does crisis, why does change put people in crisis? Right now we got a little no travel thing and a and a no social thing. They're trying to shut down churches, and uh, and a bucket of them have just they're all over town said y'all y'all go online. We're going to have online. Well, I don't care if you go online, and I say if you don't want to come here, go online. It's it's better, but it's the principle of it. It's not what people do, but it's the it's the principle. That if you melt in this, then you won't be strong for the next thing that's coming. You got to win somewhere if you want to win somewhere else. And you go, well, this is too hard. Well, you can't go to the next level until you win it at this level, at this hard level. It'll always be hard. Right. You know, I'm only going to exercise on the days when it's easy. Well, you're, you're, a, you're a snowflake. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to eat good when it tastes good. Oh, junk food maniac. <laughs> it's never going to be easier than it is right now. It's never going to get better. It's always just repackaged, but it's always going to be the same. But um, I, back to my question, why does change put believers in crisis? 
Well, uh, I found this scripture in Matthew 11. It says, my yoke is easy. Finish it with me. My burden is light. So Jesus said, the Lord Jesus said himself, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. People always pray for other people to have peace. That's not really true. The Bible says that when we got born again, the peace of God came in. So it's not really like God's going to give you something. Okay, give him 21 cc's of peace and see how he does, you know, like a doctor would. We already got the peace of God. Well, why doesn't it work? Because our head's on fire. Our mind's in crisis. Change, transition is on us. Uh, a pressure is on us. Crisis is all around us, but it's not on us, but it's all around us. And so we're going to react like all those around us. It's called the herd. And you, you, if you want to be in the herd, you're going to have what the herd has. You've got to break out. Well, you've already done that. You're here at River Church. You, you already broke out. You are, you are a special kind. Actually, I say special, you're normal. This is normal. This is, if anything, we're still a little bit under normal, where, we, where, where it's joy unspeakable and full of glory. Ha-ha, that's normal, the Word says. Raising holy hands. That's normal. So if we say we're something special, we're, we're kind of messing up the Word because we're just trying to be normal, normal Christians, where we cast out devils, we speak with other tongues, we heal the sick, that's normal. Would you all agree? Yeah. yeah. All right. So turn with me to John 10. You know I'm just tooling up to say something else. I'm just, I'm just putting the props on the stage before I raise the curtain. Hallelujah. Because we got to think right. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So that's what we do on, on, in services. Is we, we, you have to renew your own mind. And you have to have revelation. Nobody can give you revelation. Revelation is what you get. We can put out a scripture here, one scripture's from somewhere, and some of you will say, oh, I see it. Whoa, that is a powerful, that's amazing, that's going to take me. And somebody else will say, see what? Revelation is not something that's taught. It's something that's acquired. Flesh and blood is not revealed this unto you, but my Father in heaven. Jesus said to Peter, so it's got to be revelation. Well, you, you have to live at revelation. You can't live at information. Information is what all the churches has. That's what tradition is, is information. Whether it's right or wrong, it's just information. But we're living on revelation. So we saturate. We come into contact with the Word and where faith is, an atmosphere of faith. That's why you need River Church is because there's an atmosphere of faith which is the incubator of revelation. Without revelation, we perish. We are ordinary, which is not ordinary, but, but we, are, we are as, as the world. So we, the only thing that keeps us is revelation. You have a revelation of Psalm 91 right now, hiding in the secret place of the Most High, saying of the Lord, you are my refuge, my fortress, my God, you are who I trust. Now that's revelation. I tell you, millions of people have read that and went, that's nice, that's history. That's what somebody could do. But it, until it turns into revelation and you transact it, where you get up and say, bless God, I am hidden in the secret place of the Most High. And, and a thousand at my side and ten thousand at my right hand will not befall me. That's what you've got to do in Corona. 
or, or swine flu or whatever's going around. Just whatever's going around. We're, listen, this, this pandemic is no more touching me right now than cancer is. It's, it's out there, they say, but you don't know. You don't know. You just read the news like I do. You just turn it on and they say, well, it's here and it's there. But it hadn't touched us. You don't know anybody that's got it or had it, or do you? No. So why has your world changed? Well, there's a possibility. Well, there's a chance. There's a... No, there's not. It can't get into the secret place. It is a pestilence. It is a pestilence. And what, what does the word say? Just keep your, keep your finger right there. Don't move. Um, don't flinch. It says, There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. Well, now, is this a plague? Say, this is a plague. Uh, it may be all around Tuscaloosa. It might be. Well, it's not going to be around our town, I can just tell you. Now, we were one of six states that resisted it, but somebody let it in. Now it's just West Virginia. Don't you just hate it that West Virginia doesn't have any? And we, oh, they probably do, but they just don't test up there. Uh, <laughs> hallelujah. <laughs> yeah. A thousand shall fall at thy side and 10,000 at thy right hand. Look, look, look. But it shall not come nigh thee. Now that's what you got to say. Well, why do I have to say it? Well, it won't work just saying it. But if you have a revelation of it, you can say it. And what you can do is transact it. You can transact a barrier around you and your babies. You can transact around your river church and around... We can transact. Well, who's going to do it? Well, here am I. Send me, Lord. It's not something you can train and say, it says here that we should say this. That's not how we're going to win. It's already down here, and it just comes out by revelation, and it has the, the impact of being like God said. If God says, I'm going to, like he did at Goshen. Goshen was the city where the Israelites went during all the ten plagues. And it was a city that, the, when, when it was dark over there, the light shone here, there's no plagues. Well, you, God did that, but now we have to do that. Well, I can do that. Now, back to John chapter 10. I am not getting longer very good this morning. Now, look, look what the Lord Jesus said. Verse 1. Verily, verily. That means truly, truly. That means absolutely, absolutely. You all know what? When Jesus says absolutely, absolutely, there's no, there's no contradiction. He said, I say unto you. Now, here it comes. He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold. Well, how else would you enter, Lord Jesus? But climbeth up some other way. Say that. Some other way. Say it with me. Some other way. We're, we're asking the question, why does change put Christians in crisis? And Jesus said, if you don't go through the way that he has set into the kingdom, you are coming in some other way. So he says, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, whoop, 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 the same is not so good or not as well. No, the same as a thief and a robber. It's pretty hard. It's pretty graphic. It's pretty stout for him to say, if you don't do it God's way, if you don't do it the kingdom way, you're a thief. You're trying to, listen, you're trying to get something from the kingdom that you didn't employ legally or lawfully. You came some other way. You were lazy. I'm talking about people. 
You were lazy. You were ignorant. You were you were holding faster traditions of men. You just like, well, I don't like that. I don't want to do that. I don't want to talk to the mountain. I don't want to confess my sins. I don't want to forgive. You're you're trying to. But I want to be blessed. Well, why is this happening to me? Well, it's happening to you because you came in another way, some other way. We've all done it. No doubt we're all doing it. And in that area, in that place, we are thieves and robbers because we're expecting the blessing of the door, the gate. Jesus said, if you come through the gate, you come through the door of the kingdom, through the word, then this is what, and it goes on to tells you what's going to happen. But he said, if you come in through some other way, why do people want to come some other way? Because they say faith is hard. Because they say they have to speak. Do I have to speak in tongues? You know, or what can I do and be a Christian and go to heaven? How much fun can I have and still go? Can I drink and smoke and still go? You know, what's the line on that? You can tell something's wrong. You go, well, those are terrible people. We all are because we've all done that. We've all been blunted in temptation by saying, I'm not sure I can get away with that, so I'm going to leave it alone. Or in other hands, we just say, I don't care if I can get away with it or not. I'm doing it. How about if I get brutally honest? <laughs> That's a joke. We just did. The verse 1, uh, the, it, the New Living says, Anyone who sneaks over the wall. Isn't that something? Sneaks over the wall. Didn't come through the door, didn't come through the gate, but would sneak over the wall of the sheepfold rather than going through the gate. You know anybody that's not that's that's bucking up and saying, I don't believe you have to do this and have to be that and whatever. Well, they're sneaking. They're saying, I can get as much as you can and I don't have to go through the door. Well, that's not what the Lord Jesus said. He said, just because you now the word says in another place, if you lust after a woman, it's the same as if you entered into that situation. Is that what he said? He said, it's the same, you, the, the thought and the motive. So, so the same thing on this sneaks over the wall. Why do people rebel? Why? Because they say it's hard to live by faith. The way of the transgressor is hard, but it's not hard for faith. Uh, the, the Living Bible. You know, I picked out some good ones here. Anyone refusing, refusing to walk through the gate. I'm telling you, when I got the Holy Ghost, there was everybody saying, you need to refuse that. That's of the devil. They were everywhere. They were in wholesale lots saying, you are of the devil. When we left the Baptist church, we went over to the Methodist church. Cause, and the only reason we left, we weren't mad at anybody. But my folks were there and her folks were there and, and people were getting kind of, it was, it was stirring the church. So we went over there, and they were petrified of us. It's like, there they are, and they're in our church. Ah! <laughs> we were scary to them. And so we went to the assembly, and they said, y'all come on in, you tithers and givers, hard workers and Sunday school teachers. And so we found a home. Anyone refusing to walk through the gate into a sheepfold who sneaks over the wall must surely be a thief. So here's what it is. You've heard of my way or the highway. You know, Dad posts that on the refrigerator. Well, it's kind of like that. The scripture in verse 1 is kind of like that, where it's God's way or it's the natural way. It's the rebel's way. 
It's man's way. It's, it's, it's not God. There's just two paths. God's way or the devil's way. You go, well, that's not the devil. He says you're a thief and a robber. Go to verse 10 right here. It says, the thief cometh not but to steal, kill, and destroy. So that's who he's talking about. I don't want to be used by the devil. I don't want to succumb to his plans and his plots. I want to do better than that. Well, I got to go through the door. I got to go through the door. So many people are trying to get healed through hokey pokey. Just, you know, turn yourself around. They'll do anything but just stand in faith on the word. Well, I got, you know, this, this herb and this, uh, this chant and this whatever. I got, you know, the prayer chain. That's how I'm going to get healed is the prayer chain. Whoo, whoo. We might have symptoms for a while with the prayer chain. Because that's not what the Word says. That's trying to sneak over. Same thing with finances. I don't want to tithe. I believe you can do just as good. Tithe. The tithe is under the law. Well, just go over the gate. Go around the wall. Go, go over the fence. Whatever you want to do. But you're, you're going to be a thief and a robber because you're mad at God. There's a certain latent uh, default mad at God when he doesn't bless you when you're in church and you don't do bad things and you don't do this and you do that and somebody else is over here, they're not even that good. But they go through the door. They go through the gate. They say, ah, here it is. It's Sunday. It's offering time. Woo-hoo! Now, who gets excited about offering time? It has to be a revelation. It has to be the door. We know what's on the other side of the door. Now, you go over the fence, you never know what's waiting for you on the other side of the fence. You know, if you go to a junkyard, you know what a junkyard dog is. It's the dog that's in the junkyard when the boss is in there that's going to take your leg and go chew on it all night long saying this was a good leg. That's what's on the other side of the gate, the door, when you crawl over. But if you go through the door, it's done. Jesus said, that's the way to life. Y'all getting this? So you go, well, what's the point? Well, you got to depart the gate climbing, the fence climbing, and you got to enter into the door. you got to say, I'm not doing anything except what the Word says. If it doesn't give it in this, I'm not going that road. That's where I am. I believe that's where you are. Sometimes we mess up. I sure do. I've got stories. You've got stories. We've got stories about climbing over the fence and the dog that was waiting on the other side. Just tore our britches off and just, you know, one shoe and all that sort of stuff. Um, let's go. Let's do one more scripture here. I got so much here. Uh, Exodus chapter 18. We're going to go back to the Old Testament here. Now, when, when we say it's God's way or the devil's way, the world's way, man's way, we're talking about completely departing Exodus chapter 18. We're talking about uh, walking away from the cheater, from the robber, the thief. Walking away from rebelling and saying, God, I don't want to do it your way. I think there's a better way. Well, there's all sorts of stories in the Old and the New Testament. Let me just reference Ananias and Sapphira. They, they were going over another way. Would you all agree? They said, we, we want all the glory that all these people did, but we, we want to get it half price. And we don't think you have to do this and that. 
Well, Peter said, you don't have to do that, but you can't get the glory and the credit for them that just, just didn't, they just, you know the story in Acts chapter 5. And, but there's Miriam and, and uh, Aaron that said, Moses, who made you in charge? Who put you in charge? Why do you get to be the boss? We're just as good as you. You all remember that story? And he said, well, let the Lord decide. And Miriam all of a sudden got white with leprosy. I think he pretty much declared which side he was on. You, you, we got to go through the door. We got to go through Jesus Christ is the door. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the truth. And he is the life. We got to go through the door. Anything else, any kind of plan or plot or negotiating with your head, any kind of thing saying, I've got another way we can do this. You're going over the, you're going over the wall. You're going another way. I, I used to could teach this stuff about other ways. I've done it all. I've been over every fence and every gate. I mean, not all of them, but I've thought about all of them. Have you all thought about a bunch of them? How we could negotiate not going to church or not being faithful or not... Whatever, whatever, whatever that we've all entertained over a lot of years. And you go, well, how's that working for you? Well, the Bible says that we ought to be rich. The Bible said we ought to be healed. And when things don't work out, it's not God punishing us. It's just that you don't, a thief and a robber doesn't get the same blessing as someone that goes through the door. You're not positioned. You're not in the right place to have heaven pour out on you. It says in Exodus chapter uh, 18, Verse 13. I, I like this story. I've always liked this story, and I found a place to put it in the message this morning, so that's why we're reading it. <laughs> it fit, and I've always been wanting to preach this. Hallelujah. Well, this is, uh, this is Moses out in the wilderness, and he's got a bunch of folks, you know, two or three million, how many, however many you believe were out there in the wilderness coming out of Egypt. And uh, they're out there for a long time. And it came to pass on the morrow when Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood by Moses from the morning until the evening. That sounds like a bank line or, you know, a, a Walmart with a coronavirus going around from morning into the evening. They showed a picture on TV yesterday of people around the corner from Costco with each one of them had a basket waiting to just get in the store. Morning till evening. And when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did to the people, he said, What is this thing that thou doest to the people? Why sittest thou thyself alone, and all the people stand by thee from morning unto even? And Moses said unto his father-in-law, Because the people come unto me to inquire of God. When they have a matter, they come unto me, and I judge between one and another. And I do make them know the statutes of God and his laws. Would you all say that was a good thing? Sure. And Moses' father-in-law said unto him, The thing that thou doest is not good. That will surely wear down both thou and the people that is with thee. For this thing is too heavy for thee. Thou art not able to perform it unto thyself alone. Hearken now unto my voice, and I will give thee counsel. And God shall be with thee, but be thou for the people to Godward, that thou mayest bring the causes unto God. He said there's another way. And thou shalt teach them ordinances and laws, and thou show them the way wherein they, they must walk and the work they must do. Moreover, thou shalt provide out of all the people able men. Ah, there's a plan. Such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, 
and placed such over them to be rulers of thousands and rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifteens, fifties, and rulers of tens. And let them judge the people at all seasons. And it shall be that every great matter they bring unto thee, but every smaller matter that they shall judge. So shall it be easier for thyself, and they shall bear the burden with thee. If thou shalt do this thing, and God command thee so, then thou shalt be able to endure, and all the people shall go to their place in peace. Now, this is a great story about wisdom. It's a great story about someone that was the wisest man out of those millions getting his father-in-law to come in and pull up, and by revelation. In other words, Moses couldn't, he was the one that was judging the, the issues for the people, but he couldn't see it. You ever been in a room where everybody saw it but you? Everybody, anybody ever heard a joke and everybody's just like, ah, that's so funny. And you're standing there going, oh, yeah. If you don't get it, you don't get it. No revelation. So all of a sudden he said that. But I, I want to look at the verse uh, in verse 17. Moses' father-in-law said unto him, the thing that thou doest is not good. Uh, the, uh, the century said this isn't the best way to do it. The uh, Sept Septuagint, that's that Greek thing or that Hebrew thing. Thou dost not transact this business right. Now, now he's God's man. And these are God's people. And they have needs, and he's the need meter. And God said, J Jethro said, this isn't good. Uh, I got the Billings translation on that. You, you can, it's not in every book yet. I, I'm sure it will be soon. But I, I translate this, that, that Jethro said, the good thing you do is not good. And I want to put that out to you right this morning, that sometimes the good thing we do is not good. It's a substitute. I knew a man one time, he didn't want to pay his tithes, but he did have a lawnmower. So he would mow the church grass. Now, the grass didn't need mowing, and we did have a lawnmower, and, and it did get mowed. But that, wasn't, that, that was a good thing that wasn't good. Because that man went away thinking, me and God are tight. I, fig I figured out a better way rather than me give my tithe and them paying somebody. I'll just do it. Well, that's not what the tithe does, is it? Y'all say amen when you get it. Praise God. So the good thing you do is not good. And uh, why is that? Because he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth over some other way. And Moses was climbing some other way. You go, how do you know? Because a man that wasn't called of God, Jethro, he stepped up and said, here's what you ought to do. It's plain as day. I see it. Can you see it? And Moses said, well, I see it. We'll, we'll do it your way, and I'll just be the Supreme Court, and we'll let the appellate court and the, and the county court and the justice of the peace, we'll let them handle all this little stuff. He stole my hoe out of my backyard, and I want it back. Well, we got the Supreme Court hearing this. And Jethro said, you know, the good thing you do is not good. Well, what have we been doing? Now, listen, saints, I'm going to finish it here. Uh, Jesus was talking about entering into the kingdom by faith. He tells us how all through the word. Speak to the mountain. Say to the mountain, be removed, be thou cast in the sea. Don't doubt in your heart, but believe those things which you say shall come to pass, which you shall, which you say shall come to pass. You shall have what? Whatever you say. He said, that's how you do it. That is the door. That's the gate. That's the way through. That's how. But everybody's saying, God, we just want you to move the mountain. 
Well, you can't, you can't, you're, you're going over the door. You go, well, that's, that seems kind of hard on God. I found it. If these people are ignorant, they couldn't be more ignorant than me. And I found it in the Word how to do it. Did you find it in the Word? It's available. If you're looking to go through the door, if you're only willing to go through the door, the Lord Jesus, then you'll find stuff, then always scheming to go over the fence. He said there, he that entereth not by the door, but climbeth up some other way. We've got to stop it. Is God mad? Not at all, except we're not getting much done. Uh, we're expect Here's the sin. Here's the sin, is we're expecting faith fruit without getting in faith. We're contriving, we're working, we're laboring, we're reasoning, we're, in, we're engaging other people to do this. Now, I'm going to say something that just, it'll make some people madder than pepper sprouts. Hot, hot, hot. Let me think if I want to pay the price. <laughs> I disagree. This is personal. This is not in the Word. I dis. This is going to make you mad. I don't think we ought to be, be campaigning for the Cancer Society. When we are healers, they lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I don't think that's our call or our way, but I think it is climbing over the door because instead of wanting to go find out how to heal the sick with the laying on of hands and to speak the word only, and he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from the destructions, we want to donate and campaign and go into the autism society. and Oh, I'm really going to make them mad there. And the cancer society. Now, I'm for all those people. I love those people. I, God loves them. And there, there is, but, but they're not going to get what they need because someone is a thief and a robber and won't bring them what they need through the gate. So send your letters and cards of, dis, of, uh, of complaint to, uh, to Lynn. Yeah, well, or to Jonathan. Yeah, I, <laughs> I've got people set up to handle this. Hallelujah. So the mo now listen, now I am going to finish with this. The motive is right. Let's get that straight. The motive is pure. I want to help people. I want them to get what they need. But Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And man's ideas, that's not how you help people. I talked to a man one time about uh, uh, they were wanting to take wheelchairs into a place where the people were very needy. And so they were asking money for wheelchairs and getting that together and and uh, it was quite an endeavor, if you can imagine, going overseas into another nation and taking wheelchairs. And it was a good motive because these people really did need the wheelchairs. They, they really, people couldn't walk. They, they were all sorts of needs. But they spent a lot of money and a lot of effort. And I'm not judging them. I'm judging what the Lord said and just applying it, seeing if it applies. So I said, well, why are we spending all our time in wheelchairs and then getting there and putting them together because they have to be shipped by air, you know, to a foreign country. They got, you got to load them on in a box and then get over there and put the screw here and put the there. And I said, why, why don't we just go over there with miracle power and lay hands on them and speak to them? Well, that doesn't always work. Well, you may have to spend some time. I'm right motive. But it's still, I think it's going over the fence. And I only say that, and I hope the person that did this doesn't see this. 
Because I don't, I don't want to get on to people. I don't want to judge the people. But I, but I want us to be, I want us to be right. I want us to be right. And sometimes you just got to tell it wrong so you can say, oh, I thought that was right. Given to the cancer society, I thought that's what Jesus would want. Well, maybe he did tell you to do it. But I, every time I've ever been around it, he said, don't touch it. Get yourself full of the word. Get yourself ready. Get yourself. Now, like I said, don't get mad at me over that one little thing. It is my opinion. It's not in the Word. It's not even in Hezekiah, which is my little go-to chapter that everything that I don't know what is is in Hezekiah. Uh, Paul said, when I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Now, it's wrong to be busy instead of diligent. You could substitute busy where you should be diligent. Religion is defined as wanting results without intimacy. That's going over the fence. Wanting results from God. Hey, I, you're the man upstairs. I know you. Good. You do me a favor, my, my child, my brother, my mother. Uh, yeah. No intimacy. People wanting to get healed. You go, why? Why doesn't God heal everybody? Well, of course, nobody knows exactly, but there's sometimes you can tell exactly why that wasn't going to pull. And part of it is religion. Now, I'm not talking about people that are just out in the world. He's healing everybody. But I'm talking about Christians that are just not wanting to do it God's way because they, they say, here's what they say. God knows I'm sick, and if he wants to heal me, he can come over here and do it. And you go, there's just something not intimate about that. Seek me where I may be found is what he says. You go, well, that's a lot of work. It's going to take a lot of trouble, and I need healing now. Ah, I've seen boys and girls together, men and women, and they can get pretty affectionate pretty fast. Is that something else I wasn't supposed to say? Twice. Ah. You know, it's just not hard that beat into God. You just fall on your face and say, God, I want you, and suddenly you're in. Suddenly you call upon the name of the Lord and suddenly you're in. If you call on him, you're in. It's not like the, the, the temple, the, the, what was it, the veil, was torn from top to bottom. And why was that? Well, because now man can go into the Holy of Holies. The, the believer can go in, whereas before nobody could go in except one man and they tied a rope around him in case he messed up. They could pull him out. So I want to be real. I want to get results. I want to not live my life. I'm older than I've ever been. And I don't want to live my life in vain. I don't want to be surrounded, knowing the word like you and I do. And if you're here this morning or if you're listening in, you know now more than you ever have known because of what this word has said and I preached it. So now what do you got to do? Well, you're, you're on the hot seat. You got you to say yes or you got to say no because now there's a fork in the road and you got to say, I'm going to, not go over the wall anymore. I'm not going to go over another way anymore. So whatever you're doing that's over the other way, God's not condemning you. But he's just not happy because we're not getting the results that he intended through his word. That's all this is. This is not God mad and God not happy. It's just a matter of we purloining the word for one reason and for the reason of the kingdom, but doing it another way and messing up the kingdom. You know, lots of people are mad at Christians because they went over the other way. Uh, there, was, there was a deacon in my church, and 
you know, he, I'm not against beer. I don't care if you drink beer or whatever. It, uh, it tends to, to, the Bible says it tends to drunkenness. And in our culture, our culture, if nothing else, it's better not to drink it just because it messes up your witness. If you're in a culture where they drink it all the time, like Germany or wherever that is, it might not be the big deal it is. But in America, we're, we're, not, we're supposed to not cause people to stumble. And so, uh, where was I going with that? Uh, oh, yeah, this deacon. I was going over to the Toyota house because I drove a Toyota pickup, and I pulled in next to a red pickup. And I said, well, that's, that's Brother Doodly Doo. And I just looked, I just, as I was walking by, I looked in, and, and Hobbs... New Mexico was wet. Gaines County, where I lived, was dry. And uh, you had to go to the line, you know, right the, the state line. Well, he had a six-pack right there, and it pretty much wiped me out. It pre- you know, and you go, well, God, does he care if you drink a cool one in the evening or whatever? I think, he, I think it'll catch up to you. I think you'll mess up your witness if you do that. I've been over to people's house, and they say, hey, get the mayonnaise out of the refrigerator. And you open it up, and there's a little Jack Daniels, or there's a little wild turkey, or there's a little paps, or whatever. And you go, ah, oh, I wish I had. I'm just using this for an example. I'm not on a, a drinking thing. But it does mess you up, because it messed me up. I went, this is wrong. This isn't what I thought. This is not what they've been teaching. This is not what they've been saying. This is a contradiction, and it's a, he's a hypocrite. And I had a hard time. And every one of you's had a hard time with somebody that that didn't do it right. They went over the wall. They came over another way. Let's just go through the door. Let's just go through the door and just skip all that other stuff. It's in vain anyway. A lot of times you snag your britches going over and you can't get down. You know, you just get in a spot and you go, well, I'm supposed to just go over and come back. And there you are hung by a nail on your, on your, your pants pocket and you cannot get down. And then they ask you, why are you got a rip from your belt down to your shoe? And you go, well, I was going over the other way, another way. And we all know it. You go, how, come we, how can we know it? Because we know what the standard is and we know what the fruit is when you go through the door. And it's not like, well, God does and God doesn't. No, he's not slack concerning his promises. It, when you do them, there's a reward. Amen. Well, amen. Well, let's just stand up and lift our hands before heaven. I tell you, Jesus is so good. Lord Jesus, you are so good. You are wonderful. You are amazing. And you love us without measure. And you're not mad at anybody. Thank you, Lord. You're not mad at anybody. You're not mad at me. Oh, thank you, Lord. Now strengthen us by your might, I pray, in our inner man, that we might not go over another way anymore. Show us, reveal it, pull it back where we have connived and schemed and strategized and and reasoned out what you said was simple and easy. So, Lord, forgive us, I pray. We plead the blood on our lives. And, Lord, right now we immunize our lives and everybody in our audience. We immunize you by the word of God against uh, coronavirus. We say no to you. You are a thief, a robber, and we refuse you now. We put on health and wholeness in our bodies and in our loved ones, and we declare this a no-corona zone in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, Barry. Praise God.